Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. If you would like It's Not About Food podcasts a week earlier and ad-free, please support me on patreon.com forward slash It's Not About Food. For more information about my books, my work, and my body love cards, you can go to my website at itsnotaboutfood.com. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking about faith. So the front of the card is how a lot of us do feel, is that we're walking on a tightrope, and we are having faith that we're going to be held up by our feet on this tightrope. The power animal deer has no fear of this. It was walking along. But the human person, the goddess, kind of does, and she's got an umbrella and her arm out. There's a little town underneath her. So she's really hoping she is not going to fall on that town. She's having to have a lot of faith to be on that tightrope. And the back of the card reads, Faith is trusting that there is a loving source of which you are a part. Having faith means that you can let go of fear and tight control and trust that there is great wisdom within you and around you, allowing yourself to breathe and listen for spiritual guidance. Having faith means that even though the recovery process may become difficult and dark, You can trust that you will also find the grace and light. And isn't this a very uplifting card or idea that we can have faith that no matter what we're going through, we're going to get to the other side, even if it's really difficult, even if it's really dark, that we can trust that we will find the grace and the light as long as we keep moving forward and come at it with a lot of faith and trust in our heart. And I feel like with eating disorders or really any addiction or any struggle, any dark night of the soul struggle, we have to have a lot of faith, even though in those moments we kind of don't have a lot of faith, but we have to, and we have to pull that from somewhere. I tell my clients, you know, that it's there. You just reach deep inside. It is there. I promise you, I promise you, it is there. But it is about letting go of control as well, because as long as I had control over it, I wanted it to be a certain way. And really, when I let go of control and had faith in what was right for me personally, what did happen was so much better than what I thought. So I am so pleased to introduce our guest today. And... I met her in a very kind of a weird way. I went to Hawaii and we stayed at her house. And now I have a wonderful friend in Hawaii, which is so great. And I would suggest to anyone if they wanted to go 
visit Hawaii, they should also visit her. <laughs> if she has time. <laughs> so um, introducing Rex. And so take it away. Tell us what you're doing in the world of faith and what tightrope you're walking on. Thank you, Laura Lee. It's a pleasure to be here. I looked at all the cards that you have in your packet of body love cards yesterday and really, really analyzed. And I came up with faith because right now I'm going through a few things where I just have to believe that it's just a process and I'm going to go through it and come out in the light at the other end. And it can be a challenge. And um, I've had to have this kind of faith for a really long time. I think one of the reasons especially is I'm an army brat. And when you're an army brat, you have to move around a whole bunch. And I moved off a farm when I was about five years old, my grandparents' farm, because my dad re-enlisted in the army after the war. And we just started moving. And every time you move to a new place, it's a change. And with change comes fear. And having that faith that, okay, well, it is change. I've resisted it often. But I realized that I've gotten older and I'm 75 now. I realized that, okay, you may think it's going to not be a good thing, but in reality, it could be a better thing. And I did that because I'm also a third grade teacher at Sunset Beach Elementary School on the North Shore of Oahu. I've done that for 35 years. And about three years ago, I had to move classrooms. And I was dug into the classroom I'd had for three years. Yeah. Dug. <laughs> I did not want to move. I had so much stuff. I thought, oh, no. And I tried my best to get out of that. But in the end, I had to move. But now I am so grateful. And it was a great lesson for me. And like you said, with this card in particular, have faith that you're being held with the greatest love, reverence, wisdom, and respect that what's about to happen may not seem like a good change, but in the end could be absolutely fabulous and so much better than where you are at the moment. I totally agree. And I, of course, hear that over and over again, as I'm sure you do as well, of that I thought it was going to be terrible, but actually it turned out okay. And I'm actually happier than I was before, where somebody finally leaves a loveless relationship and then finds the love of their life, or they leave a job that is abusive and they find like their true path and the job that they really adore. And it's like that all the time that I think our spirits guide us. And a lot of times we don't give our spirits credit, you know, for getting us into this new situation. <laughs> you know, we just think we brained it through. I agree. And I think because I think fear is so strong. When change comes, you go into this kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? And you go into a fearful state instead of just being open. Okay, so this is what's happening. This is what we're going to have to do. These are the steps I need to take. Because once I accepted that I was going to switch classrooms, I just started packing up and it gave me an opportunity to really weed out a lot of material that I'd been collecting for so many years and streamline. But I'm, I still have a lot of things in my classroom, but I was able to streamline and share and give away materials that I didn't need. So one of the things I noticed when I was around you in Hawaii on my vacation is you have this alter ego, if you will, Rex the Surf Dog. And I wonder if you'll talk about this Rex the Surf Dog. Okay. Well, Rex the Surf Dog is me. It's so funny. When I invented him, 
It's a little stuffed dog, about two feet tall, maybe a foot and a half and about a foot wide. Really cute. He has a blog, rexthesurfdog.com. And I invented him because I was taking a trip across the country by train and I wanted my students to see the journey. Because when I started teaching 35 years ago, nothing connected. And I was just at a loss. I'm going, what can I do? I don't like what they're presenting and what I'm supposed to use, the teacher's materials. I didn't like any of it. And I thought, okay, so I'm going to design my own curriculum. What I did was I went from big picture to details. And it's like a Montessori method, Maria Montessori. And so what I did was I design this curriculum where we go from outer space, big picture, and I teach all my space science. We land on planet Earth. I teach all my Earth science. And then we go continent by continent around the globe. And I just integrate everything from music to art to social studies and science. It's vocabulary driven. So each week, the children get a set of spelling words. And all of those words relate to what we're studying. So there's this relationship because that's the way the brain works best is to make connections. And so we just move from continent to continent. And within that journey, like I said, I connect everything. When we study North America, I'll teach them how to weave. When we study Asia, I'll teach them how to do origami. And I'll play music from those continents and all the folk tales and fairy tales and the literature from those continents. Many children, like right now, we're just finishing up Europe. A lot of my students who are eight-year-olds had never heard of the Princess and the Pea or Puss in Boots. Most of them have heard of Rapunzel because Disney did a lot of incorporating into their movies the old classics. So they knew some of them. But those are important pieces of children's literature that teach lessons, values. There's always a moral. And like I said, I integrate everything. So it's literature, it's art, it's music. You can even do P.E., in, in Africa, the pygmies play this game called Catching Stars, which is a game kids in our country called uh, Sharks and Minnows. So by the end of the year, they have this broad knowledge of the planet. And my ultimate goal is to teach them to love to learn, that books are your best friends, and it's important to be a humanitarian. Those are my big goals. And if I do that, I'm really happy. <laughs> and I see it happening. Of course. And when I was there, I think uh, one day I said, what are you doing today? And you said, we're going to go to Germany today. And you had German cookies and you were going to play German music. And I think you even maybe had some German words or whatever. But the point is, is I thought, and so is Rex the dog in Germany too? (laughs) (laughs) No, Rex, Rex the surf dog has gone to Germany and the blog shows him on different adventures. And he blogs about his adventures. It's G-rated. The vocabulary is for maybe about fourth, fifth grade level. And it's family friendly. So he's traveled around the world. There are like 2,800 photos on the blog. I've been published by National Geographic. They did a story on their children's website. There was an article in the National Education Association, the Teachers Magazine. I've done story hours around the country with Rex the Surf Dog, Savannah, Georgia, Zillianople, Pennsylvania. We did a kickoff for a library reading program in Honolulu a few years ago. And that was at the request of one of our Senate representatives to the Hawaii State Legislature. She had seen me somewhere or met me. She said, could you come to our kickoff? 
So I said, sure, sure. So she had little clones. She bought 10 little Rex the Surf dogs and gave them away as prizes for the children who read the most that summer. And that was a few years ago. That is so he the coolest. Just travels, yeah, he just travels around the world. And like I said, I take photos of him at the Eiffel Tower, at Big Ben, in New York City, San Francisco. So there's a search bar up in the left-hand corner and you can type in surfing, New York, Baltimore, whatever you want and see if something pops up with Rex the surf dog in the photograph. I just love the whole idea. And of course, people have done this before, you know, taken an animal around, take a picture and went here, you know, Curious George went here, went there. But what I love is the leap that you took of taking us something all over the place, but then actually made a curriculum of it for your teaching. And it is such a beautiful idea because like you, I was an Air Force brat. So I knew there were a lot of different countries and cities and people that were different than me and spoke different. And I saw them, I went there and it really expanded my mind. Whereas You know, some kids don't, like you said, they'd have no idea something else is going on somewhere else. And there's adults, too, that don't have any idea that there's different people doing different things. And I just think it opens up that whole world for all of us to be involved and be curious and to be just of the world instead of your little tiny box and you watch a little tiny box and you're in a little tiny box. (laughs) Your brain becomes a tiny box. Yeah. So I just love that. And it's brilliant to use a little dog because when we're little, we can't relate to somebody, some person, an adult. It's like that, what Charlie Brown hears, wah, 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 you know, but we can relate to a little dog when we're little you know, or a little cat or a little squirrel or a little whatever. So just brilliant for you to come up with that. And I wonder, so have you heard from your students when they're older that have said, wow, just opened up the world for me? It's so interesting. Not only do I have the blog and this, I call it, it's around the world we go, is the title of the curriculum. And it's a global whole learning curriculum. And I also integrate gardening and being outside. My minor in college was biology. My major was early childhood education. So life science is really important to me. So I've always had a garden at the school. I've always wanted to teach the children how to grow. And so I've been doing that. So just the other day, I ran into one of my students who is a police officer. And he was in a coffee shop up in the middle of the island, a town called Wahiwa. And I saw him, and I was, wanted to talk to him about another something I wanted to talk to him about. But I went and said hello, and I'd seen him not too long ago, maybe within the last year or two, out here on patrol at Sunset Beach. But I went up to him, and he was training a new guy. And I said, oh, I was his third grade teacher. And um, <laughs> this new guy that he's training, this new police officer, and then the young man, he said, yeah, you were the best teacher. You let me play in the dirt. Oh, <laughs> because I'm teaching him to grow and, and mulch and pull weeds and transplant. And those things are so important. Those are life skills. And to me, that's what a teacher does. You want to teach life skills. It's not just about teaching to the test. And like this year, third grade across the country, in most public schools, the kids are 
being prepared for this really difficult, and I mean challenging, computerized test. Either it's the Smarter Balanced or I forget the other name of the company, but they had two of them have a monopoly on this testing. So it's just it's so rigorous. It's way too difficult. It's complicated. Kids are in tears sometimes because oh. they don't know the answer. That's not what learning and loving and the joyful experience of learning is about. So anyway, I do my best. I mean, I prepare them as best you I have can to, yeah. for this computerized test. But at the same time, I integrate a lot of art, uh, music, and especially being outside in the garden. If you would like to have a weekly newsletter that has some information about recovery or what people are doing in the world or what I'm doing in the world and just information about how to recover and what to do and how do we have faith and trust and love and openness to our own selves, you can go to my website at itsnotaboutfood.com. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm when you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Storygram Network. I joined Beyond Hunger about three years ago after my own eating disorder recovery. I've been with the Peer Ed program for over a year. I have been a peer educator for a few weeks now. Beyond Hunger is an amazing organization in which high schoolers like me get to go to schools across the Bay Area and educate teens and students on mental health, body image, intuitive eating. I joined because it really helps people. I joined the program because I believe that the information we provide people my age is very important. Beyond Hunger has allowed me to connect with the youth in my community and reaffirm to myself what I know is true. It has given me an opportunity to educate others and inform others around my age. Um, and I just think it's a really wonderful program. Because I want to teach other teens what I never learned. Appreciating your body through its ups and downs, navigating di diet culture, and learning about intuitive emotions and hunger. And I felt that it was super important to continue to make change in the community. My name is Laura Lee Rourke, and I am one of the founders of Beyond Hunger. My business partner, Carol Normandy, and I founded it in 1988. But for the last 25 years, we've been going into schools and talking about the issue of eating disorders and body hatred. We um, train young women to go in with us, peer to peer, student to student, and it is a wonderful program. Please give generously. Thank you. I love that. And you're right. And of course, Hawaii, the whole island is a garden. I mean, it's... <laughs> You get off the plane and it smells like a garden instead of like an airport, you know. It's one of my most favorite places in the universe, really. But I'm also thinking about who are these people who are thinking that our kids need to be tested in this certain way and dropping other things that they also need to learn, just as important. I go into schools with peer educators that are much closer to the ninth graders that we usually go into in age. And we talk about eating disorders and body hatred, but really what we talk about is learning to love yourself and learning to trust yourself and learning to take care of yourself. And how do we do that 
without turning to fill in the blank, whatever it is. And this year, for the first time, I heard, I can't bring you in this semester because we are having to prepare for a really hard test, and we're not going to be able to have you come in this semester. So last semester, when they had a whole other, so it's ninth grade, they had a whole other group of people who got the Beyond Hunger peer education come into their classroom this year. They didn't have that. And it's a whole group of other people, other students. So those students didn't get it. And I said, so what do they think happened in December? Nobody had eating disorders anymore? <laughs> and she, you know, the teachers went, no, that's why I'm going rogue and I'm having you come in anyway. <laughs> but oh, how wonderful. Yes. <laughs> so I'm under the radar, if you will. Is okay with me? I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so critical because I know I don't read much fiction, but I read a lot of science about the brain and how the brain works and emotions and teaching and learning. And what I've read and what I know is that the reasons a lot of times people overeat is because they're under stress. Because when you chew, it reduces stress. They put rats in cages, they electrify the cages, the rat's adrenaline goes up. They put a block of wood in there and the rat gets to chew on it. And so when they electrify the cage again, its stress level is lower. So chewing reduces stress, but unfortunately, it also creates weight gain. And then there's just a whole nother realm of issues and problems and self-concepts that go along with that. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, many, many times little children grow out before they grow up. And they have hard, difficult lives at home. So, of course, they're stressed out. And so, of course, they're doing whatever they can do to to self-medicate. It's such a bigger problem than just put every little kid on a diet. Again, if that worked, it would have worked about 30 years ago. (laughs) But it doesn't work. Yeah, and two, we have the media that just, if they're on television or iPads or even phones, and they're getting all these advertisements, it just triggers their brain to go want that immediately. And all that food is so much of that processed food that they're advertising on television is so bad for their health. And then it becomes addictive. Yeah, which is why we teach the three prongs, you know, of learning to love and take care of the body that you have, remembering that you have within you an intuitive self that knows when you're hungry, knows when you're full, knows what your body wants. And if you have emotional wisdom, you know how to take care of yourself without turning to food or cigarettes or a new boyfriend every week or whatever thing that we get into when we're in ninth grade (laughs) or all along, really. I just love what you've done and you sort of thought about it and you did it. And I love this little dog going around. So how can somebody get a hold of you if they want more information on how to bring Rex the surf dog into their third grade or fourth grade or fifth grade class? Well, they can actually Facebook me. I'm Rex Dubiel, D-U-B-I-E-L, Rex Dubiel. And I'm happy to share. I actually love to share. And that's why I think teaching is such a great profession for me is because you're sharing all day long, your wisdom, your knowledge, your love of learning. So they can just Facebook me, Rex, D as in David, U, B as in boy, I-E-L. And if they're interested 
in learning more. I'm like I said, I'm happy to share. I was part of a farmer's market for about seven years until COVID hit, and then our markets pretty declined at Waimea Valley out on the North Shore. And I met lots of educators and lots of people who were very interested in what I was doing, and even administrators, college people. They're going, wow, this is wonderful because everything's connected. And I went to a small college in Western Maryland. I was a sophomore and my world history teacher was writing, she was ancient and she would write her (laughs) whole lecture. I mean it, she was really ancient. She would write her whole lecture on the board. And because I'm a real visual learner and I love dialogue, seeing her words on the board, processing what she was teaching me, all of a sudden the light went on and I went, everything's connected and everything is connected. And if you get this big worldview, you can, I think, like I said initially, that I really emphasize humanitarianism. And it's really important to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think by taking the kids around the world and Rex the surf dog going around the world and seeing different cultures and seeing different way people relate to each other or play, everybody looks different on the outside, but everybody's the same on the inside. That's right. You know, I'm thinking about this idea that we are all the same. I feel like when I go to other countries, I just notice everybody gets tired and everybody kind of yells at their kids (laughs) or everybody is really nice to their kids or everybody can't wake up unless they get coffee. We're all the same people, even if we speak different, look different. It's amazing. And I think good for us, Rex, that we had that experience young because it wasn't such a shock to me. Oh, this person and all the way around the world, huh, they want comfortable shoes too. (laughs) They would like a cookie after they eat lunch too. They want to walk around and have fun too. And they want to be free. If they have a political system that is oppressive, they still want to be free. They don't want to have people putting stuff on them. They don't want that. And they want to be seen for who they are as well. And it's beautiful. We are indeed all the same. I agree. And I was so fortunate to be at Fort Knox High School for eighth, ninth, and 10th grade because there were so many different, I mean, there were Native Americans. There were German-Americans, Polish-Americans. Wherever a soldier travels in the U.S., sometimes he marries the girls from that place. And there were Black kids, Puerto Rican kids. And there were kids from all over the U.S. And I feel like it gave me such an opportunity to realize that it doesn't matter what anybody looks like on the outside. It's what they are on the inside that really matters. And, you know, that gave me that education because it was sometimes hard growing up for me. My dad was not an officer. He was a command sergeant major, but you're put in a different class when your dad's not an officer. Oh, definitely. It's a caste system. And it can really hurt sometimes because you're judged by your dad's rank and your dad's job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and that's just kind of what humans do a lot of them. But for me, like I said, it gave me that awareness and that open-mindedness to see beyond the outside. That's right. And I feel like the same kind of thing happened to me. I was born and raised in San Antonio. We had five different army, 
Navy, Marine. I mean, we had a bunch of bases. And so people came into San Antonio from all over the world and came in and out of San Antonio. And like you said, they would meet somebody and maybe marry that person. And my mother worked in aerospace medicine, so I met astronauts and people that went to a whole other universe, which, how can I go there? I remember asking one of them one time, (laughs) I want to go with you. You know, anything to get out of the house, really. But I really did have that love of thinking about other cultures and stuff like that and wanting to see what people in, I couldn't even imagine what somebody in Vietnam was thinking when we were bombing the hell out of them, you know, it's because not that I had been to Vietnam, but I'd been to enough countries that I knew there were people just like me there. I feel like a citizen of the world rather than a citizen of one state or another. And I think that's a good thing. It is a good thing. And I'm hoping I inspire my students to understand that There are children all around the world like them. They may look different, dress differently, eat different foods. But like I said, again, it's all about what's inside. That's right. I think that you do. I mean, I don't even have to ask them to know that you do, to have faith that you do, that you make this huge difference in somebody's life to open up the world to them, especially third grade. You know, what a wonderful idea to open up to. They can stay safe and secure in their own little home with their own little family on their own little island, but it opens everything else up. What a wonderful thing that you're doing. Really, I'm so impressed. They become so curious and I love that. They're asking questions all the time and I'll say, well, you know, I don't know that answer. Let's just research it. Yes. So I always want them to know that no one knows all the answers, that you just have to research it or ask other people or ask more questions and build your wisdom. Beautiful. Well, Rex, would you please read the last part of the card? Today I will. Today I will have faith that I am being held with the greatest love, reverence, wisdom, and respect. When I am fearful or controlling, I will breathe let go and be open to learning available to me through this experience. Beautiful. Thank you. This is what we strive for. (laughs) You know, it doesn't always come easy to have faith. Especially if, yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of other factors and other people's opinions or judgments that impact us. That Even when you're little, you don't realize it. No. And I think it's a radical idea to have faith in yourself in the culture that we live in. It's crazy. That's true. But it's also a radical idea for you to teach that they can have faith in themselves. And I really believe you completely embody that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Mahalo, dude. And... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's so great to have you on. And thank you very, very much for your work in the world and for being on today. I appreciate being here. Thank you. Thank you. And aloha. Aloha. (laughs) I'll see you later. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.